Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. Uh, Thomas is is rejoining us. Uh, Max is not here. He's off gallivanting in the Lake District. Terry is here. And uh, we're all not happy. (laughs) We're not shiny, happy people today. Uh, Yeah. But, you know, it... I don't know. At this point, these kind of things, uh, we're expecting some of this stuff, which kind of sucks, but hey, it'll be all right. Uh, But, you know, one good thing that came from Saturday is just profound disappointment. Uh, Thomas uh, went and actually hung out with Edward at the game, and presumably, like, they just painted the town, (laughs) you know, just completely just went all over the place, hanging out. Now, I'm assuming Edward had a coach to catch, did, and that yeah. didn't actually happen. But uh, <laughs> I like the idea of you guys just going out and, like, talking really loudly at all the pubs. And <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not no, quite so you been... that, anyway. <laughs> been the wrong time for that. Uh, but uh, so how bad was the second half? You said you went over and joined Edward at that point? Yeah, so my seat was right at the front, and... <clears throat> It's just a bunch of people sitting around, so I, I moved up next to Edward. There's some spaces next to him, which unfortunately was actually closer to the home fans as well, so that wasn't a great time to do it. And honestly, it was almost as, as soon as they scored their first goal, it was like everyone everyone kind of accepted it was going to happen in the end. But Jeez. it was just, no, no um, there was two fans actually started fighting next to us towards the end of the game. As Stuart had to come and get in between them, it was a bit, but... Well, that's just that's just how it's got to, really, hasn't it? Were both of them Everton supporters, yeah. or were? Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> is is that the same thing we see often? Our own supporters fighting each other yeah. when we're playing like crap. It doesn't say I've you don't see that often. Before, no. I mean, I've oh. seen people I've seen people argue, but never actually start physically fighting. But I tell you, that's that's just what everyone's got to, you know. Yeah, I wanted to beat my couch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to explain to my my kids, you know, why that happened was super fun. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> but I don't want to. I don't want to give any spoilers because we'll probably talk about that in our match reaction. But uh, so, uh, was Edward was Edward pretty down as well? I'd say he was more disappointed than me. Well, yeah. The thing is, Edward gets to go back to I think live somewhere around Liverpool. I, I've got to deal with this for the next week, two weeks, three weeks. You know, I've I've had I've had all the abuse today, but you know, everyone was just disappointed. But that's kind of how it got to. It was less. I mean, there was obviously a lot of anger, but it was mainly just disappointment. It's just how how have we got to this point? But almost like it's just we expected it. Yeah. Um. So. I've left I've left Terry out of this introduction, not on purpose, but. Uh, just because you know he wasn't there hanging out with with Edward and Thomas, as far as I know, unless he was like two rows back, like just ducking every time they turned around and they didn't realize it. <laughs> I was actually one of the two guys fighting. <laughs> <laughs> There's the joke. There's the, that's the joke to pick there. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, t- 
Terry. Just another game where Terry's fighting someone. You know, that's happens every quiz, you know, we do on our show here. It's Terry's ready to brawl. He's he puts on some kind of dad rock in the background, gives himself a soundtrack and just begins to wail. It's nice. It's <laughs> uh okay, so we have to get to this. I didn't want to, but we have to start talking about actual football. And specific actual like Ever- Everton football. Um, so podcast people, listen up. Uh, we're starting with the New- Newcastle reaction. It's a lot of groaning, um, as though our, our our sides are hurting and not from laughter. Um, and then we're we're going to talk about Jordan Pickford because that fella was all wound up on Saturday, uh, and uh, yeah, it, that didn't work out for him either. And then we're going to talk about uh, leadership. I've seen a lot of people talking about Everton's uh, on-the-field, maybe locker room leadership as well. Uh, so we're just going to talk about that a little bit just because it's a topic. It's one of the main talking points uh, this weekend. So we're going to address it too. And then we'll finish with, if you know your history, where we take a, a blissful trip into the past. But sadly... It's after a beatdown of a loss. <laughs> it's 2014. Got beat pretty bad. In, in, in an exciting match, but yeah. Was, these trips into the past are, are oftentimes very nice, but this is not really a pleasant one. But at least it's not right now. So, guys, uh, Newcastle reaction. Uh, obviously obviously uh, lost 3-2. to two. Spoiler alert <laughs> for those of you who've recorded the game. Sorry, I spoiled it before I said spoiler alert. Um, I, I'm going to give these guys a few topics and let them kind of pick. Uh, Thomas, you being the guy who's had to face the majority, the the, the lion's share of the abuse. Uh, if you want to start with uh, Silva's subs, mainly Mina. Uh, you can start with Pickford, his behavior and mentality. Um, you can talk about the, uh, we had a little bit more incompetence from the referees. Um yeah, so which one of those three do you want to start with? I wouldn't dwell on the referees because I think we were asking for it, really. I know I know everyone was offside, but I think they, they would have scored the third anyway. It would have gone in either way. I think I'll start with the substitutions. Um, I've seen it before. Rondon, you know, he's a big striker. They can just launch it up to him. But I think that Keane and Zuma were not doing Bali and handling him at all. Like, I get they were pushing players forwards, but... I don't think it was necessary when you when you t- one you you're only one goal ahead. I think you came, I think you came on when it was two one. You can if you want to show up shop, you either do it later. You don't go negative from that point. Um, also, you, Richardson was one of our brightest players again, and he took him off. I just didn't understand that. I get Bernard had another very good game. I thought Cavalier played well. Obviously, he's not. He's not constantly scoring at the moment, but he's playing well as linking up. And then pushing Sigurdsson out right didn't work either. He's either, obviously, under Unsworth and uh, Allardyce, we saw him kind of be put on the left. And although he wasn't great there, he's still, still a lot better than he could do on the right. And then um, Theo Walcott, what, what else can you say about him? He came on and did absolutely nothing. He, uh, he lost the ball a few times. There was a time where he was on the edge of the box and he Instead of instead of just taking a touch and putting the ball in, he decided to head it back across to no one. He he doesn't seem like I know players when they struggle for form, they struggle for confidence, they they make bad decisions, but he seems to be making 
all bad decisions. He rarely seems to do anything good at the moment. Is I'm not going to turn this into a Theo Walcott uh, pre. Uh, Report. You wouldn't be the only one, Thomas, because <laughs> I have a feeling that a lot of people listening and watching uh, have no problem if you just want to just rail on Walcott for a while. It's it's a thing. But I think it definitely highlights our, our need for further depth in the squad. Luckman came on, didn't manage to affect the game. But the fact that we then have to turn to Walcott, that can't surely be our, our next option to just stick Walcott on and just see what he does. I think in terms of substitutions... In, compar- in comparison to Benitez, sorry, Benitez's substitution changed the game. They started with their usual five at the back with Richie at left wing back. Then when he took off the cells and put Dummett on, so they went four at the back and then Richie could push further forwards and their midfield could get on the ball more. They were getting further up. That changed the game. Silva just wasn't equal to it. Um, the substitution of Mina, I still didn't really understand. It had to come later and it definitely didn't have to come with Richardson. It should have should have happened in a different way, but I really don't think it was necessary. And I was actually, I was surprised when he came on because I, I was presuming he was going to bring on another attacker to get another one. But maybe it shows he's maybe lacking some confidence at the moment. Instead of going for the win, he's decided to not go for the loss, which obviously didn't work in the end. But maybe even, but the thing is, after the, at the back of the Cardiff and the Liverpool games, you think he'd come in with a bit more confidence. So I think instead of trying to, seal the win he decided to sit back which is not maybe what we were expecting maybe you'd say that from Allardyce last season but his substitutions were disappointing and highlighted more the fact that Benitez's substitutions changed the game hmm. uh, I was I applauded the the attempt at sit by Silva because there are times where you're sitting there I, I remember in the past where we thought Martinez and and we thought, you know, what on earth are you doing bring, bringing Nias on in this particular instance? Why didn't we make a de- defensive substitution? And so he made a defensive substitution. So uh, I, I, I liked the fact that there was some thinking there like, hey, the Premier League is not to be taken for granted, no matter who you're playing. However, I would have kind of wanted a different type of substitution in that I would have thought of uh, Schneiderlin for that particular instance. I would not have disturbed our shape. I actually thought our shape, like we, we were just absolutely overrun in the mid- midfield after that, and we couldn't b- put together any kind of attack, like none. And part of the thing that was keeping us safe was the fact that we were on the ball so much and attacking so much, and they didn't, and it, I mean, if they're constantly barraging, putting our, a barrage of shots on our goal, yeah, they're going to score. So I just thought it was a tactical issue. Uh, Terry, are you... Are you on board pretty much with what both of us have said so far? Yeah, can't really add much um, to what Thomas has said. I, I, I think what gets overlooked a little bit is he's probably brought Mina on to not only try and see the game out, but he also wants to get in minutes before next week. We're playing I have Chelsea. heard people saying that. Zuma can't play next week, and um, he probably wants to get him a little bit of time on the pitch before he starts him against a good team. So it's cost us... I don't think that's the only reason. I can I can see why when he, why he did it, it didn't come off. But I'm I'm with you guys. I think Schneiderlin coming on would have been the better um, the better move to sort of close things down in midfield and stop things getting through. But going to five at the back just invited them onto us even more, and it just as you say disrupted the shape and made things. It made us it made it harder to defend than it did easier having the extra man there. 
Yeah, it was one of those moments where they had they had pushed some people forward, like Thomas had mentioned, and we just we were not equipped. We did not have enough people back to be able to handle that. Um, really disappointing. Watching, I'm trying to remember that little uh, that little dinked ball. I guess it was from uh, Jose Perez that went over the heads of pretty much um, all of our guys in the back, and no one had stuck with Rondon. You know what I mean? Like on that run. Yeah. Because Rondon had it, the ball distributed and then no one tracked him back. No one even knew he was there. And that was frustrating to watch a replay of, frankly. It was really strange. In the first half, I thought the defence was completely solid. They didn't really seem to have many issues. Then at that moment, they just seemed to start flapping. That's when, I think that was the first goal. That's when the first goal went in. But it seemed it was confusing to watch because everyone had seemed so solid in the first half. And all of a sudden... Everyone kind of panicked a bit, kind of abandoned their positions. Kenny was right across. No one was picking up anyone yeah. on that side. And it it was just strange to see. I think it kind of just reflects the mentality that, you, you know, we're two goals up. We did we dominated first half. Like, they didn't really create anything too much of note. We just, you know, just calm down. There's no need for everyone to start panicking and trying to rush to the ball and trying to tackle immediately. We were in a fine position and everyone... I'm not really. I was confused when it happened because, like, we could all see it because it it was on the other side of us. But it's like we can see clearly that Zuma, uh, sorry, um, Rondon's there. Why are you all going across? Everyone just needs to relax. It, it was a very good finish by Rondon, but it was just frustrating because it didn't have to happen. Uh, did it deflect off of Guinea's just slightly? I've refused to watch any replays. <laughs> the only ones I saw were like right there, right after it happened. So yeah, I, oh, right. I was. It, it it looked as though it was pretty straight down the middle in terms of the finish, and it it went just. Past, and the only thing that would have made sense to me, as far as Pickford not getting hold of it, is if it had a little deflection. Um, so that's that's me trying to make sense of him not actually grabbing that one. Um, Terry, do you wanna do you wanna talk about Pickford a little bit, but without giving too much because we do have a segment on Pickford coming up next. Um, I'll try and keep it (laughs) brief. Honestly, I think it's an easy thing to rant about. Uh, Frankly, let's keep it to this game and then we'll talk, we'll elaborate a little bit more in broader terms in the segment, I think. Okay. He's, uh, He's cost us that game. He's, he's straight up let the rest of the team down. Now, don't get me wrong. There was mistakes in other parts of the pitch. You know, the manager's substitutions weren't great, but I don't think the manager or the rest of the team can legislate for a player having a game like that, a goalkeeper. He's meant to be one of the key players in the team. He's meant to be one of the um, the most high-profile players in the team, and he's, he's cost us that game. He's been let off massively in the first half. He's completely took the player out um, with a rugby tackle um, because he's made a mistake. He's come to collect the ball, made an absolute mess of it, and then took the player out deliberately. He shouldn't be even on the pitch at that point. He stays on the pitch, he saves the penalty, and then at that point he should think, I've got away with this massively. He should keep his head down and just see the game out. And then if he does that and we win, and it's 2-0, because literally seconds after the... The penalty save, we score up to the end and make it 2-0. Then that then should be we have 
may, Pickford should then just go, right, well, I'm going to keep a low profile for the rest of the game. He doesn't do that. He plays up to the crowd. He gets it. Lets the emo. He's, he's, he lets the emotion get the better of him. He's not a Sunderland player anymore. He's what's he doing? Why is he trying to overrun and battle with the whole home crowds of, of Newcastle? Like I know they're giving him stick. It happens. To give it back at the end of the game, like when we beat them at Goodison last year, he gave them. He gave. He'd been getting a, an abuse, a lot, a load of abuse off them all game from the away section, and then when we won, he ran over and stuck his tongue out at them. That's fair enough. Don't do it in the middle of a match and let it affect your play because I'm, I'm trying to think of the goals now. And the second goal, completely his fault. He's got a shot. He, you know, he sees that shot coming for miles. And although it's, a, it's got some decent power on it, all he needs to do is smash that into the sky, like he like he's done like he's done before. Puts it right back on the boot of their striker. Straight forward. He, yeah, and then the other got the other one. He, he he there was times where he was let off massively, where he comes for the ball and doesn't get it, and then it rolls past the post, and he's trying to taunt the um, the home fans there. It's like it's just asking for, it's asking for it. He's completely he's completely cost us our, our result there because of what we've he's, he's turned almost single handedly for me. I win into a defeat, and it's it, ridiculous. One of the worst performances I've seen individually by him since he's been at the club, if not the worst. So I think you should try that again, and this time stop trying to hide your real opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with a lot of that. Thomas, what do you have to say about this? Oh, I completely agree. I think <laughs> he forgot it was Newcastle Everton. He made it John Pickford versus the Newcastle fans. He didn't need to do that. I get they were giving him abuse, but he's a professional footballer. He can handle a couple of boos. It got worse when he started reacting. All he had to do was ignore them. I get when you save a penalty, you're going you're gonna to react and you're going to celebrate anyway. But he didn't need the rest of it. He made it. He tried to make it about himself. I'm not sure if you've seen the video when he was walking down the tunnel at the end. So bad. Didn't, didn't need that either. He just... Clearly not very happy, but he just... He didn't need to do it. He's, it, it all seems to just... It's clearly gone to his head, but he just needs to. I don't know. Even, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. He just needed to calm down. He didn't need to react in that way. And he, he yeah, I agree. Cost us the game. So, his behavior reminded me of the way it's easy to go wrong leading up to a derby, leading up to a game against a rival. It's really easy to let your emotions take control and. You're all about aggression, and you're all about just, you know... Uh, Marco Silva talked about it a lot the week leading up to the Derby. Emotional balance. Yes, we want to be up for this, but we have to be smart. It's the kind of thing that leads to stupid red cards in a, uh, in a, in a rival game. When you're playing a Derby, stupid red cards happen. People get all amped up, and then they... I mean, you know, Ramiro Funes Mori. You know what I mean? Uh, stupid stuff like that. It's not balanced. And you've got to be a mature professional to be able to figure out how to take those emotions of a derby, of a rivalry, and channel them into, into the right format. Aggression is one thing. Stupidity is another. You know? And I, I just think he's, he, it was immature. It was immature. Uh, he lacked that emotional balance. I would think he would get an earful from Silva afterward. 
All right, he should have, I, I thought he was gonna get red carded. I, I have no idea why he didn't even get a yellow, okay? That to me, if I was a Newcastle supporter, I'd been just yelling about the refs. I would have been so angry about the refs. So that's what kind of makes the referees get, gifting them an offside goal a little more balanced. <laughs> it's like, hey, they screwed up the whole game, didn't they? Uh, I'm just sick of those kind of decisions going against us, I'll be honest. All right, I've, I think we've had more than one offside goal determine a game against us. We've had handball goals. We've had players deceive match officials. It's been really bad moments that I'm sick and tired of. I hate that. Granted, that's not why we lost the game. Thomas, you make a good point. We, we probably would have given it up because our, we had, uh, Silva had made some decisions that had altered our shape for the worse. All right? I still think we'd have lost that damn game. Um, and we were just, momentum, momentum was gone against us, far gone. And we were not even close to threatening after that. But uh, those refereeing decisions are just absolutely, there's, there's no excuse for that. I mean, I am just some schmo in North Carolina, and I saw how offsides those guys were. And I had no idea. I was, like, scouring Twitter, and I was like, why are people not commenting on this? Well, it's because our performance was so, sh- so shitty, we didn't think about that. <laughs> That's what overrode this. But if we had actually performed, and, and, and that would have, we'd have been way more angry. So I'm trying to keep that anger here, because it, we deserve to be a little angry about that. But I'm more pissed off about Silva's decision. And uh, that's, yeah. So it's almost like there needs to be a hierarchy of anger. <laughs> How to rank my anger about that. What turned into a shit show. It really did. Um, it was really disappointing. Uh, so I would say out of all these things, it's tough. You've got Pickford, you've got Silva subs, and refereeing incompetence. Three things that really did chalk up to us losing that game. Put all these th- all I think, those things together, and the referee was in third. <laughs> the the referee. The thing is, what there was, there was three thousand of us. I'm not sure if you know where the new the the away fans sit at St James Park, Terry, but it's m- absolutely miles up. It's like 140 stairs up or something to get a level seven where the away fans sit. Three thousand of us that high. It was on the complete other side of the pitch in front of the Galliot. We could all see it was offside. Jesus. Like the replay showed, there was about five of them offside. Surely, yeah. surely you could cut one of them like Iosi Perez was blatantly offside the ball didn't go directly to him but you could still see the others Like I know people say sometimes it's a close call but if it's a close call it's offside these are the professionals, they're there to make sure that they're the ones that make the decision if they're not going to make a decision in a close call I might as well do it, you might as well do it what's the point in them being there if they can't make the close wasn't call it, wasn't it Rondon, the one who actually made the play on the ball and he was offside too, right? they're all, they're all offside, Jerry <laughs> How does a linesman miss fully half of a team offside? Ten outfield players, five are offside. All of them are offside. There is not one player onside in that move. And I, I know we were terrible, and I know Pickford's, you know, endeavoured to, you know, throw it in his own net all game. But I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Jerry. I'm sick of this now. We, we are massively, massively in, you know, deficit for. For referee and decisions this season, it feels like it feels like it's gone against us a million times this season. Like the Man United, the penalty that they shouldn't have had. Arsenal had an offside goal. They had like two or three players offside. 
Oh, Tottenham, we had um, a rule, a goal ruled out when it wasn't. You know, there was nothing. I wrong totally with forgot it. about that one. Damn. Just, just constant. And now we've had a whole half of t- opposition team offside, and they've scored a goal. It's like, oh, they balanced themselves out over a year. Not they this don't. year. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely awful. Now, don't get me wrong. There's been times this season where we've been terrible, and no referee help w- would have, su- you know, saved us. But I'm sorry, when you're away and it's two-two and the game's tight on a knife edge, you know, we do, can go, you know, it's gonna it could go either way. Or even if it couldn't go either way, you can't. You can't. For me, you can't blame the managers' substitutions. You can't blame poor play, players having poor games when the referee is going to give a goal where half the opposition team are all offside. That's ridiculous. You might. How, how would you defend against that? I was gonna. I, when I first saw it, I was like another lofted ball, and everyone switches off. But they don't switch off. They're all playing a perfect line, and they're and they're offside. So I can't even blame them for that. And we've. Yeah, probably would have still lost. We probably would have found another way to concede. No one Everton, but it's ridiculous. Uh, uh, it's uh, if I if I was at the club, I would literally at some in the summer just make a compilation of all these decisions and just send it to the FA and go. You need to put VAR in next season. I don't care what these idiots in the press say. Like, oh, it's it's bad for the game, or you know whatever other nonsense they come out with. It's not. It doesn't solve everything, but it solves a lot because it's getting beyond a joke, and it's not just us. But obviously, we watch us more than we watch anyone else, so we see it for ourselves the most. How many times is it going to happen this season where we are done by poor refereeing? Help so them. Yeah, they, do it, help them. Do you see Silva was fined as well? I think that came out today. He's been fined for going he's, up the line at the end. He's been I charged. Get, I don't, he hasn't been fined. Yeah, yeah all yeah, I heard is up. they were looking into it. They were going to read the ref's report. They, these, yeah, these always end up in. I, I'm sorry. I know, you know it's par for the course that if a manager gets in a referee's face you get charged but he can't give a goal where the whole half the opposition team are offside and then have the manager well, not yeah, say you, you have to like, let him say something to say? he's got to you know the only way i mean unless he gets physical or or you know decides to just take a leak on the ref's shoes because he's so pissed off that <laughs> may be okay fine him but i mean he deserves to, to yell there i mean what what more could be said <laughs> what i i don't I don't know. I mean, if he's not physical and he's not insulting their family. Results cost managers jobs, inevitably. And Marco Silva could eventually lose his job due to too many defeats. And there's one that the referee has has put in his defeats column for him. So I think Silva's got every right to be aggrieved going, no, these results, my job swings on these results. And you've just give a goal, a winning goal against me with five players yeah. offside. It, it, it's not marginal. It's not one player. It's not. It's ridiculous. It's so bad that the referees in this like most high-profile league in the world are this poor because they're doing it every single week now for different teams. I have loved watching the Bundesliga. We get Bundesliga games here. It's the only other league here that we get to see a bunch of games. MLS... I mean, you have to pay, have, have to go through a pay service here if you want to watch most MLS games, which is shitty, really, really shitty because it's our, you know. But uh, I've been w- loving watching Bundesliga because you know what? They usually get them right with VAR. They usually get them right. There's still mm-hmm. mistakes every once in a while, but the vast majority are correct, you know. And I'm just sick of these. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, got, we were out of the cup because of a handball goal. 
that's ridiculous. Yeah. And there were other matches <laughs> that had VAR at, during that round. But because we were playing Millwall, we didn't get it. What is that shit? I mean, there's, I don't know. Yeah, we, we, whatever else you can say about us this season, whether we were good, bad, or indifferent, we've had it really, really bad with officials this year. We've had it, so many unjust decisions go against us. Would it make a massive difference to our league standing? Probably not huge, but it would have made... You don't know that. If we don't lose to Man United or we don't lose to Arsenal or whatever it is earlier in the season, that could have a knock-on effect for different games. You don't know. These are big decisions. Once or twice, it will happen to every club across the season. But the amount of times we're getting it this season is ridiculous. It's not even... I don't even think it's an, uh, an issue of, you know, oh, it's because it's us or so on. It's that. But no, it's a bit too conspiracy for, theorist for me that it's just point-blank ineptitude. It's just poor officiating and it's costing us an undue amount this yeah, season. Yeah, I've got my little message back there to the FA talking about a campaign against Everton. It's a joke. I don't actually think there's a campaign against Everton. Uh, and for podcasters, I have a whiteboard in here that I write messages on just to see if anybody actually reads them. But uh, I don't actually think there's a campaign against Everton. But uh, there's been, we, we've been kind of on the wrong side of some really bad calls. And it's been too many. It's been too many, all right? Um, and if we were one of the top six clubs, um, I think there would be a lot more made of those decisions, a lot more. I haven't even spoke about two potential penalty shouts because there's the we, one on Sigurdsson, one on Luca Dean. Like, the one on Sigurdsson, I was so confused with that. He seemed to get absolutely flattened by someone. And no one, no one around me really reacted. It was like, I haven't seen the replays at all, but I haven't seen what happened, but it seemed blatant from, from mm. where I was standing. But nobody else seemed to react to I just kind yeah. of shut up. I thought I was just being ridiculous. Bernard plays him down the line and he goes past the player. I think it's Shaw. Um, commits and his legs go into Sigurdsson after Sigurdsson's played the ball past him. But on replay, it looks like Sigurdsson's going down early. But it, it is, it's a, it's a penalty. Like That's what, that's the one that Silvers took the most... Exception with, like this, he said in the post match that the Sigurdsson penalty would have changed the whole game because of the time it was. And um, match of the day he also flagged another one where Luca Dean's put a cross in but been absolutely you know taken out by the player after he's released the ball and it's in the box. So, and, and then obviously a blatant red card from our keeper. So it's like the, the refs are just yeah. awful. Like it's you mentioned there, uh, you mentioned Shaw there. This is just one last point. Shaw was absolutely awful. First half, his head was completely gone. His pass was awful. Was he terrible. wasn't in position. He started that. He started that fight when Dinier and Zuma uh, clashed heads. But we didn't even try and punish it at all. We just kind of let it be. He was absolutely dreadful. I've I've seen him play this season, and he's been very good. He cost like four million or something. He's been a very good signing. But against us, he was dreadful. His head was gone. He was on a yellow, I think. All we had to do was constantly go against him, and we just mm. left it. We just didn't at all. All you had to do was stick Bernard on Shaw. Bernard can yeah. get a yellow card out of the best fullbacks in the league. Put the words out my mouth to give it to. I was going to say give it to Bernard and let him run at him. He could easily get, and he could he could have been off, but we just didn't challenge it at all. It was just confusing. Yeah, as soon as I saw Shaw grab Dina and like try to like pull him up, I was thinking, okay, well he's going to get a yellow card for being. He's going to get carded for cautioned. For being ridiculous here, right? This is going to happen, right? Because he had already just moments ago he clearly 
was his temper was flaring, and so then that happens, and he gets nothing, and then later on he gets he gets cautioned for taking somebody out. I think it was DCL on the along the side, DCL or Charleston, one of the two, uh, and he got he got cautioned there. But I looked over at my at, at my six year old, and I was like, that should probably be his second. He should probably be gone. Probably be gone right now. You know, he was clearly out of control. I was, though. I was speaking about. I was speaking to my friends as well. It was actually quite interesting. When Dinier and Zuma clashed heads, that was actually meant to be a corner, and the ref just missed it completely. So those two go down, they get treatment, the ref just gives a goal kick after he'd already given a corner. That's what they were telling me. I didn't notice I didn't it at notice the time. It's like, that's that just blatant. Yeah, I didn't notice it either, but like, because it came off Dinier, all they did was clash heads. It wasn't a foul or anything. The ref was like, yeah, just play on. Like, that's just, <laughs> I don't get that. I, I'm a referee. I could do that on a Saturday morning, <laughs> but like, that, that's me. I don't. I don't get paid ridiculous amounts to do it. Um, one tiny last question. We've run really long on this segment. Um, uh, <laughs> we can get into more of this about leaders, but uh, anybody think we missed uh, Coleman on the field? Him, Completely, him being yeah. out sick. Ke- Kenny, Kenny played well. Kenny played well in the first half, but he's not the same leader as Coleman is. But okay. I'll say for that anyway. Ish. Ish says Terry. <laughs> no, not really. I think I think Kenny did as well as as could be expected. I don't think it was it was a missing Coleman issue. I think other other forces were at play, which wouldn't. Have, I mean, it, it, they they clearly stuck Rondon on Kenny, which is uh, sensible because he was the the smallest and least experienced of our defenders. So, but uh, no, I think Kenny did as well yeah. as could be expected. We will discuss more in our leaders segment after our Pickers, Pickford segment. But for now, that's it for our Newcastle reaction. We need to talk about Jordan Pickford. Um, not as ironclad or strong of a season as as it was uh, last year. From uh, his rugby tackle in the last match and making faces at the stands, walking off the field uh, as though he, he just couldn't be arsed. Uh, and he's had a lot of errors this season. All right, He just has. There have been a lot of mistakes by him this season um what are we to make of Pickford at at this moment Terry uh it's it's kind of a weird thing because I was I was sort of willing to overlook some things uh going into this one but this was kind of this was a big warning sign for me as far as maturity goes uh how are you feeling about him and is this one of those things where maybe He'll see what he did wrong and wise up, or is this uh, is the kind of thing that could signal a decline? I mean, I hope he he, he learns from it. He, he's he needs to get back to basics. I think I think the lad's ego has run away with him this season. He, he had a massive, massive um, World Cup, and he obviously got himself on the football and map, so to speak. But I think he's um, he's let that go to his head. It was ever since. I mean. I'm not even going to like you know criticize him for the you know the derby goal um, in Aranfield. He's you know the game was lost on on that mistake, but that's a mistake that can happen any time. That's nothing to do with his attitude. That's nothing to do with his his mentality. It's just a mistake. The Newcastle game and uh, you know others this season, like the thing with it, it was against Tottenham where he ran and kicked it into against them. Um, Zuma and cost us the goal. There's, yeah. there's been a lot of that this season where he's too erratic. I think he 
thinks he's the finished article now because um, his status is so high, and he's he's not. He needs. I, I honestly have got to the point now where the, in the because he had such a high profile bad game that the the press reaction here has been mm, if if Gareth Southgate is picking players based on form. Can he really pick Pickford at the minute as the England number one? And some people are saying, oh yeah, he's earned that right, and you know to stay in the team. And others say, oh no, no, he needs to come on. I would actually prefer him to be dropped as the England number one keeper at the minute because I think that kind of thing could bring him crashing back down to earth and t- basically give him the reality check he needs to go. Oh, maybe I need to uh, get my head straight and put a run of performances together again like I have done previously. He's he reminds me a lot of of David James back when he was the England keeper. He swung from the ridiculous to the spectacular. It was just some some games you couldn't get past them with, you, you could have all the ball. You just, no matter how many times you, sh- you had shots at goal, it was staying out. And some games you, you'd you have um, David James' team, whoever that may be, would have all the ball and not have to you know defend at all, except one moment where he completely messed it up. And it'd be in the net. And Pickford's in danger of turning into that again. So uh, a super erratic, super like showy keeper where he makes these spectacular saves but drops things when he catches them and and rugby tackles play, um, you know players to try and get himself out of a uh, out of a mistake. I think the lad needs to remember that he's the Everton keeper first and foremost. He's not the England keeper first and foremost. He's not this this star that he seems to think he is, the, the 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 head movements and that to the to the Newcastle fans. He's made a game all about himself at the weekend. Like in the last video, Thomas touched on it. He made the game not Everton versus Newcastle. It was um Pickford versus the Gallowgate end. It was like what what that that's not what you want a player to be doing. And he's not a kid. He's twenty five now. We bought him at twenty three and he's had two seasons and a World Cup at the club now. He should be getting more mature, not less mature. And that's what I feel like he's doing. I feel like it's he's got an inflated ego, he's got a big head, and he needs to he needs to basically humble himself and get back to what made him, you know, the player that we bought in the first place. He needs to go back to basics because right now I, I just before I finish up as well, I'm not suggesting he needs selling or replacing or anything like that. I think that's a little bit extreme. You can't just do that every time players have a bad game. But he definitely needs to wise up because he's not—he's not this this superstar that he seems to be behaving like at the minute. He's—he's he's an Everton player. He's one of the more—he's one of the more big name Everton players. But he needs to act like that. He needs to take on a certain amount of responsibility and dare I say it, leadership in the team. If he wants to be what he thinks he is, he needs to prove it week in and week out. He's he's not the finished article. He needs to. He's got a lot to learn still. I'm trying to decide if there's a lot to add to that, Thomas. <laughs> I do have a question for both you guys in a minute, Thomas. I want you to go ahead and comment first, though, and then I'll go into the question. Um, just going to actually uh, touch on what you said last time, Jerry, about you know the emotion in a derby. But Everton Newcastle is not a derby. That's what John Pickford needs to realise. Yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> when when it's Newcastle versus Sunderland or it's Everton versus Liverpool, you've got eleven v eleven and you've got the fans. This was John Pickford versus Newcastle. Like there's not much three thousand Everton fans can do when John Pickford get booed every time he's on the ball. There's not much anyone could have done. He had to. He had to realise that. Yeah, he's a he's a lad from Sunderland, but he's an Everton player now. I'm, 
and repeating a bit of what you said, Terry, but you've got to pick your battles. And for some reason, he thought he could take on the entirety of St. James's Park and the 11 Newcastle players on the pitch. He didn't have the backing to do that. In a derby, the emotions get high, but you've got everyone supporting you. We're, we're not going to support a player hanging on to an old rivalry. Like You don't want to see a player that, yeah, he's come from there, but you don't want to see him hung up on things that have happened in the past. He's an Everton player, first and foremost, now. He's not... Yes, he comes from Sunderland, but he's not a Sunderland player. And he seemed to just forget that. We're not going to support someone who was so focused on a rivalry from his past club. We're not going to stand there and say, you know what, John, we're going to give you all the support we can possibly give you because you deserve it. And I don't... And I, I'm not sure if I'm going to ruin your question or here because I think the video is about someone challenging him. I don't think Martin Stecklenburg's the kind of man who's going to support Pickford. He's not pushing him. I don't think he's... Yeah, he's got a lot of experience. He's had the World Cup final, but I don't think he's... I don't think he is the goalkeeper that's going to support Pickford in a situation like that. And okay, he's probably a good backup goalkeeper. The backup goalkeeper is a tricky position. You've got to sign someone who's going to happy to come and just sit on the bench the majority of the time. You know, United have Sergio Romero, Chelsea have Caballero, very good backup goalkeepers. Martin Steckenberg is probably not the man that's going to push John Pickford, and he's probably not the man who, in a situation like yesterday, when he comes in at half time, as you said, Terry, he's got away with something. He needs. The, the older keeper, Martin Steckenberg, Steckenberg needs to get in his face and say, you've got away with that, move on and play the game for Everton, not for Sunderland. Yeah, if it was... My issue is if that was uh, like any other position, making those mistakes like that, they would be sub next game. Yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. And that's what's got me really annoyed because we don't really have someone on the bench. I mean, are are, are we going to roll with Steck? No. No, we're not going to roll with Steck. You know, I, I, literally, I, I, we would have to have literally Pickford. I'm, I'm, I, I'm trying to imagine a scenario where, where Pickford would actually be subbed, right? Uh, it would, he would have to do a lot, you know? The, the player that I'm most curious about is Zhao Virginia. Mm-hmm. I would love to see him actually start getting a little more time coming up this summer. You know what I mean? Because at this point, uh, we are lucky to have a, a veteran presence in Stecklenburg on the bench. But do you feel comfortable with him in goal ever? Oh, no. Yeah, I feel more comfortable with him. Said. Penalty saves. That's it. That's literally what I was going to say, Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Th- putting him in there for uh, for penalties. That's. But I, I've just seen him make so many mistakes whenever he's gotten a chance. So I think legitimate competition at the position. That was my question. And Thomas, of course, because he's intelligent and cunning, beat me to the question, uh, beat me to the topic. Uh, so that's, that's the thing, competition for the position. Is that, do, you, do we feel like a little bit of that is something that uh, Pickford needs and that's, that's something that could just solve everything? Because... Is this a thing where we need to buy someone, or are we just thinking Virginia is is going to be that that guy? Because I've heard he looks great for U23s, but as you know, not always good indicator of whether or not they're going to do well first team. So, what do we think? Is this is this uh, mysterious competition going to come from outside, or is this somebody we're just going to promote from within, or do we just think Steck's just going to be it? Um, I think. Yeah, I mean, a competition would help any player in any position. It would always bring the best out in any player. But 
I don't think it's realistic. I don't think any clubs outside the top six have got two competitive keepers. That even even all of them haven't got that. But yeah, there's certainly not very many clubs outside the top six who've got two viable keeper options. Most clubs now tend to go with a you know an established number one keeper. He's the guy, and then they'll have um, an older head as sort of backup in case of emergency. And to be fair, when we've got one of the best keepers in the league, but he just isn't playing like that this season. We know we know how good he is, and we know how good he can be. I don't think there's anything wrong with the keeper we've got. We just need him to get back to what he can do, rather than you know we acting the way he has been. Um, Stecklenberg, no, I wouldn't. Even after that performance, I still wouldn't roll with with Stecklenberg over um, over Pickford. I don't think keepers the kind of position where dropping them um, necessarily helps. I mean, in some instances it does, but I think keeper, especially, I mean, unless you had, you were like Arsenal with Czech and Leno, when you've got two senior high-profile players, it might work then. But if you were to bring um, Pickford out for Stecklenberg, all you'd be doing is just waiting for Stecklenberg to make a mistake and a Pickford to go straight back in anyway. So I think letting him play his way out of it, but just managing him properly... Um, this you know it's on Silver to to get him back to how he can play. Um, Virginia and Stecklenberg, I think for, for the way clubs operate, I think they're fine as as understudies. You've got a young keeper and you've got a, an experienced keeper to back up the main guy. I think it's uh, considering that the rest of the squad that needs you know serious serious work doing to it. I think uh, our backup keeper is low on the priority list I mean I'd be very surprised if one was to come in just because because money's a thing I think the, unless we could get someone for free who would be a, you know a, a steal or someone from abroad who costs next to nothing who's been studied and no one, and we've stolen a march on it I don't know but I I can't see it happen I just don't think it's something that Premier League clubs outside of a very very select few do have two top keepers What about the Spurs model in that they brought in Vorm, who was a player who didn't have... He had a little bit of Premier League experience, but I don't know if everybody would say he was just this... But he was a young talent they brought in to be their backup, you know? Uh, that's why, I don't know, I the idea of having your second string be somebody who's not going to play a lot, but somebody with, with a little bit of encouragement could feasibly be a first string keeper. That's why the Jao Virginia thing just makes me think... You know, the idea that, yeah, he may not get to play much, you know, and, and, but he'll get to play, he'll get some experience mm-hmm. beforehand. And then when you bring him in, you don't bring him in with the intention of, hey, he's going to take over the position right now. I, mm-hmm. I always thought like some of these people that uh, that they'd be bringing in would be young players who are going to be really like starving for minutes and they may not be established, but they're, but they're talent mm-hmm. and they'll be getting minutes gradually. I don't know. I realize that's that's a lack of experience and it's a risk, but I mean it's your backup. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's talent there. I don't know. Well, we've had a in Cummins first season where we had two um, senior keepers of sort of equal standing, where we had Stecklenberg, but obviously a couple of years younger, and uh, uh, Joe Robles, Joel Robles. So, and I, I don't think it really made much of a difference. We sort of just 
we didn't have a senior keeper. We had just one one for a while and the other, and it, it didn't really make the other one play any better. I mean, obviously, the two of them... <laughs> that's, you a, know, I, that's a pretty fair point, Terry. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make either of them, like, you know, like, up their game where they couldn't be dropped. Both of them both got a lot of minutes because neither one of them could establish themselves. I, I don't know. I think if you spend the amount of money we've spent on Pickford and put a big investment in, who was when we bought him and still is, I suppose, a, a young keeper, he's he's there for the long term. He's been bought as Everton's keeper, so you just need to work with him and get him get him back to the best version of himself rather than the sort of like half version we're getting at the minute. Mm. Because we, you know, he, he is a top quality keeper when his head's on straight, but as on Saturday, his head was not on straight. Um, I, I I agree completely. I don't think we're going to get in a goalkeeper who's actually going to challenge for the position, but I don't think the backup keeper that we've got is actually achieving much. I don't think Steckenberg's the kind of guy that's actually going to get into Pickford's face and tell him that he's making mistakes and needs to calm down. He seems just kind of... Obviously, I, I don't know Martin Steckenberg, but he doesn't seem like the kind of character that's going to be... He's going to challenge Pickford. He's going to say... You're making a mess of it. You just need to calm down because you're a very talented keeper. And I think with Martin Steckenberg as a backup goalkeeper doesn't work because he's he's not a bad goalkeeper by any chance. He's not. He, I don't think he's of the standard necessary. And I also don't think he's a very good keeper to kind of guide a younger player. And I think maybe in John Pickford's case, I think when you're an outfield player, we've got the leaders. We've got Baines, Jagielka, Coleman, the, the fundamental players who can get in your face and say, you need to change this, you need to change that, because they're outfield players. I think as a goalkeeper, Pickford needed to hear it from a goalkeeper that he would, he needed to calm down. I'm not sure how much an outfield player would have affected him, but I don't think Steckenberg is the kind of keeper that's actually going to challenge him. But I think he needs a goalkeeper that's going to, you know, with a lot of experience. And Steckenberg's had a lot of experience, but he's never played consistently at a top, top club. And obviously that's very difficult to get, but you just need a player that's going to challenge him not necessarily of quality and not necessarily challenge him on the pitch, but challenge him mentally. Like, you need to start pulling it together or you're going to be costing the team. And I think we, we need that desperately. Not desperately, as Terry said, it's not it's nowhere near the, the priorities. And I think we're lucky that we do have a keeper with some experience, but I don't think Stettenberg's the kind of character that's actually going to challenge Pickford in any way. Yeah, um... The thing is, at this point, what does what would it take for Pickford to actually see the bench? And the fact that it would take severe <laughs> behavior on his part, that gives him a safety net. It gives him... A, now, there's one thing to think, oh, I'm free to make mistakes. I can do that. The confidence from a manager is important. You want your players to feel confident, to play with a certain uh, swagger and uh, almost arrogance to where they can make mistakes. But at the same token, you don't want them to feel bulletproof. That's my thing right now with Pickford. I feel like he almost thinks, hey, I'm the, I'm the number one here. You know, and just the idea that he can be replaced you know, I, I feel like he needs to he needs to be aware of that. You know, it reminds me of. Uh, I realize this is only one time uh, we haven't really dealt with this a lot, but it reminds me a little bit of the Lukaku situation, where Lukaku almost was like, you know, well, of course they're going to start me. 
you know, mm. and he'll he could just sit there and go talk trash about the club whenever he wanted to. Of course, he's going to come back and start. He can do whatever. He could go on a big run, big slump. Of course, he's going to start. You know, so that kind of I don't know. I don't like the idea of certain players being being bulletproof, and I don't know that Silva Silva likes that either. You know, so it's something to pay attention to, guys. I think it's I think we our concerns are not unwarranted. I think we have a reason for those concerns. So, all right, let's move on and talk about leaders. Next segment's about leadership. Everybody's been talking about, uh, everybody's been talking about leadership uh, at Everton after this recent collapse. Um, and I do want to be clear that I don't really think leadership was the reason why we lost uh, this weekend. So just to go ahead and get that out of the way, I don't, I don't think that's, that's exactly what was going on. However, uh, I do think there's a, there's a conversation to be had here, all right? Uh, because of the players on the field Saturday, uh, how many of them do you feel like you'd say, ah, that's a captain? You know what I mean? So this is why we're talking about it. Uh, Thomas, who'd you feel like on the field Saturday actually – was just saying, hey, I, I'm the captain today, and I'm acting like it. Was Sigurdsson the captain? Because I know Coleman was, was, but I actually don't know who ended up starting captain. See, I, I was under the impression Sigurdsson was the closest thing we, to a captain that we had exactly, on the field. But you know? we, we needed a motivator. Obviously, it's not the main reason, but in, in, a, in a hostile atmosphere, as, as it quickly became, as soon as they got their first goal... You just need someone who's going to be there to calm everyone down. You see, the defence was all over the place after their first goal. We don't need to talk about Pickford anymore. We talked about him enough. Someone needed to tell him that he needed to calm down as well. You don't look at any of the players on the pitch. There's experience there. There's there's Digne Gomez from Barcelona, Zuma from Chelsea. These are players who have come from big clubs who have experience, but they're not leaders. They've all been. They've never been in a leader in a leadership role in those clubs. And I, I think there's something. Although experience and leadership can go hand in hand, I don't think they're exactly the same thing. I think you can have experience without leadership. But you don't look at any of the players that eventually started. Obviously, it was unfortunate Coleman getting injured in the warm-up. But maybe in the future, Michael Keane, he's obviously he's come along a long way. Jeff, probably not a leader yet. He's, probably, he's, he's had a very good season, but he's probably not uh, concrete enough yet in the defence. But you don't look at any of those players and think, they're gonna, they're gonna take this game by the scruff of the neck. They're gonna calm everyone down, and they're gonna get everyone to start doing the basics again, which is kind of what we forgot to do. As soon as their first goal went in, we were rocking. We forgot we weren't putting together passive moves. No one was making overlapping runs. Absolutely nothing was happening. And it's unfortunate that Sigurdsson probably was the closest thing that we had to a captain because I don't. Obviously, again, this is about Stecklenburg. I don't know him, but he doesn't seem like a particularly motivational person or someone that has a wealth of experience that's then gonna inflict that on the younger players because we do have a fairly young squad at the moment that's clearly what Brands is trying to do and we've reached the point of transition where Coleman's wavering but Jagielk and Baines have both dropped out of the team at the same time and now Coleman's going as well it's as if we had a team of leaders now we have absolutely none and it's important in the summer that they we find someone that's going to take up that role I think maybe some people were thinking maybe John Pickford for the future this season just showing he doesn't have the head for it anymore I don't think he could ever be leader. I think if called upon, maybe he could, but definitely not at the moment. I think for me, in the future, 
Michael Keane seems like the player. He seems he's been able to calm things down in the defence before, but we just are in a period of transition where all of our leaders have left all at the same time. We had we had them all in one team. Now we have none. And uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. All right, Terry, uh, you wanna you wanna comment on where where some leadership might have come from on Saturday? Um, nowhere, because there's not a single <laughs> not a single leader in the squad really. I mean, I, I think off the pitch we're probably all right. Obviously, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but I, from the noises that the, the players seem to make, you know, Coleman, even Jagielka, still to this day. Mm-hmm. They seem to be quite popular as off-the-field leaders, but on the pitch, even when either of them play, there's clearly no leadership. Now, I don't mean leadership in the sense of someone who just shouts a lot and, and will get in the referee's face, although that's always welcome, someone who will try and... Those do help, yeah. What we need, and this is ties into why I'm not too disappointed that this Zuma permanent transfer might be in jeopardy given Chelsea's situation not because it's against Zuma I think Zuma's a good player I wouldn't actually be disappointed if we signed Zuma but I would prefer if we don't get Zuma to go out and find a centre-back who can organise the defence we need something that I can't if not that someone in central midfield who can go in it be that number six role that Silva desires who can sort of calm things down. Gareth Barry did it really well. He's someone who can calm the rest of the team down and get control of the game when needs be. Uh, or both. Uh, but if I had to pick one, it'd be, the, it'd be in the back four because all, how many times this season have we conceded goals when a, a ball has just been as ricocheted or bounced in the box or been lofted in um, in the second phase of a set piece and the whole defensive unit just don't know where they need to be. I think we need that player who ties everything together. It's a really lazy comparison. I'm at pains to do it. But look at the difference that Van Dijk's made to Liverpool's defence. He's made a defence that was awful. The strongest, if not one of the strong, either one of or the strongest in the league, just because he it's not his own individual strengths, first and foremost. It's just tying the rest of the back four and the unit together. We need to get someone of that sort of mentality, um, if not that, you know, obviously quality, let's be honest, but someone who will get the rest of the players in line. Because individually, I think we've got players who are good players, but as a unit, they're terrible. I think Yerry Mina, Luca Dean, even Coleman or, or, or you know, Zuma or whoever, they're all strong individual players and they've all got their own merits, but as a unit, they just don't seem to have a leader amongst them on the pitch who can, you know, organise them. I did think at one point that Pickford could do that, especially last season when he was barking orders at Coleman, at Rooney, at players like that who had much more experience than him. But, he, you know, as we touched on in previous videos, he seems to have gone a little bit away from that. Maybe it might not be long-term, who knows, but one of my highest priority things in the summer is a new centre-back to add that either, if we don't get to him, then... Mina and Keane are then competing to play along this new general at the back. Don't know who it is. Can't suggest anyone. That's. I hope Marcel Brands has got someone in mind because we need someone um, who will just go in there and calm the defence down and just organise it. An organising player. Not a screamer, not a shouter. Just someone who's in control and keeps the defence alive to second balls and keeps the shape together. Whoever that is, that I think that that is probably more of a priority for me than a striker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there are times 
when I feel like Andre Gomez's demeanor fits that type of character. He's not afraid to get to get angry. He's not afraid to kind of show the rest of the team, hey, get up, let's go. I've seen some some fire from within, which is good. Uh, some of it maybe a few times almost looked as though it was a little imbalanced, maybe a little bit too fiery at a time or two, but it also was at times when maybe we needed it. Um, however, he's on loan right now. He's not our player. And he was on the field the other day when the big collapse happened, and he doesn't seem like right now like he's willing to be that guy to go up to Jordan Pickford and look him right in the eye and say, get your head on straight, man. He doesn't seem like that guy yet. Coleman, I think, would have done it. I think Jagielka would have done it. Baines, I don't know. I think Baines would have gone up to him and, like, cracked a joke. <laughs> you know, he just seems like that kind of guy. He'd have gone up to him and, like, try to make light of it and then been like, hey, get it together, man. You know what I mean? Uh, Coleman and Jags, what I think, would have been kind of in his shit. Um, but, again, here's another question, guys. Um, is this the type of scenario where leaders are carved out? Is it a scenario where, you know, leaders, you know, do they, are they created through certain circumstances? It is, is this a scenario where we may not have any right now, but through this adversity, someone will step forth and actually, is that storybook naive, being super naive, or is this the kind of thing that actually happens every once in a while? Because uh, it's something that occurred to me, if we don't have any leaders, will somebody, will somebody step up? Is the question? I I genuinely don't think so. I th- I think if you look at our current crop of players, they just seem like a bunch of players that they're not bottlers because you know we don't really actually have much to bottle at the moment. But they just not so. There's been times where Gomez has shown <laughs> where you know he wants he wants the ball. That's so important for a leader. If everyone else is getting they're flapping a bit, the defense, the wingers, you need someone who's going to get on the ball, going to calm it down. Gomez is the only player that looks like that, but he definitely doesn't seem like a leader at all. But if you're talking about someone arriving, no, it's not someone arriving, someone within the team now who's going to rise up to that leadership position, you just can't see anyone. You, if you think about it, you, your main contenders before all these incidents with Pickford would be Pickford maybe, but he's clearly shown he's lo- losing his head in less than ideal atmospheres. Sigerson is our go-to captain. He doesn't really seem like a particularly... He seems like a very laid-back character. He doesn't really seem like he's going to get in anyone's face. He seems like he's more of a lead-by-example type of guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Very small you know I mean, yeah. And then maybe eventually, you know, Tom Davies, John Joe Kenny, maybe. But, you know, I don't think... Aside Tom that, Davies is a, is a fair shout. I just don't think he's going to be on the field enough to be able to warrant yeah, that yet. I don't, think, you know I mean? don't think he'll actually... Sally, I don't think he'll be a long-standing player. I think he'll eventually be handed out. He's clearly got a lot of quality, but I just don't think he'll ever quite make it. And then you just look at our team and you don't think any any one of them is going to be like, they're going to become our leader. They're clearly what we need at the moment. Mm. Terry, I saw you shake your head. Um, It's not from within, probably? You think it's going to be purchased? Oh, yeah. I I think this group of players have been through much more... (laughs) Much more um, high-pressure scenarios than this, and it hasn't, you know, turned any of them into a diamond, does it? So, they they literally, um, this group of players, I think, of the permanent players, I will prefix, have shown that they're not going to be made into leaders or captains through adversity. 
I think some of our players shrink in the face of that without the presence of an of a leader. I think that's a very fair shout for Andre Gomez. I think if if we if he signed per, uh, permanently, fingers crossed, um, then either he could be someone who could be in that role, or if not a captain or anything like that, just sort of positioned as one of the team leaders going forward. He's, you know, if we was to sign permanently, I think him and this fabled number six we need to sign, whether we, you know whether it's a placement for Garner or goes alongside or whatnot, build a team around that player and go mess together, build that engine room, and then I maybe hopefully you get a leader out of that unit. You know, whether the number six does that, or whether Gomez, who with a year more experience, goes right. Well, now I'm here. I'm an Everton player full time. I feel like I've got more, more stroke to get in the face of certain players. I I don't even think it's. I, I think it's just a cope with pressure type thing. I don't think it's a shout at the other players type thing because you see players shouting at each other all over the pitch, but. It's keeping calm under pressure. You need that sort of. Uh, Gareth Barry, I go back to, was a perfect example of this. Cool as uh, cold as ice, whenever it was. Yeah, and people res- respected his authority. You yeah. know what I mean? They it- totally did. He spoke, and everybody's like, "Hold on, shut up!" Gareth Barry's talking. And it wasn't even like, somebody oh, people are going to listen to. You know, Gareth Barry will just calm everyone down. He just get. He wasn't a shouter or anything like that. He would just get on the ball, and he would not be. He would not flap. He would not, you know, hack it away. He would not like. He'd just pick up the ball, calm things down, and then just move it around. And he, he, he that that's all it needed sometimes. But we see when when like against Newcastle, the pressure builds. And another example was when we were on the back foot against Millwall. When the pressure goes up, our players seem to become really rattled and make you know make life harder for themselves and swipe at things and don't clear balls properly and they're not reacting quickly in the box. If you've got if we had a proper leader in the team. They'll either, re- they'll either, you know, get in everyone's face when things are going badly or they will stop things from going that badly beforehand. They'll just get hold of the ball and just take it out of danger. I think that the team is only lacking that. I think that would make a massive difference, a, a player who can calm things down because I think that's the biggest thing missing the team. Forget, you know, a new right-back, a new right-winger, a new striker. They're just a leader in the team, someone who is calm under pressure. I think Gomez has got... Shades of that, but you know, we remains to be seen. I think we'll know if he's still here next season as an Everton player. I think we'll really know whether we're right or not on that. But I don't know at the minute, I don't think there's anyone in the squad who's like that. Even Coleman, who seems to be a leader off the pitch, he doesn't calm the game down, he seems to go up with the game as well. When the uh, intensity goes up, he goes up with it. We need someone who can stay level, and we haven't got that. I think, um, I'm not suggesting this would really work for us because I don't think we even have enough players. If we can't find an out-and-out leader, Southgate had an interesting model in the World Cup where he said Kane was an out, is out-and-out captain, but he had a he had a, a spine of players that would be there. So I, I can't remember it exactly, but I think it was like Kane, Henderson, Dyer, and then and then a couple of others. You had that spine through the team that because captains aren't always going to be in the team, and we've seen that with Jagielka. But I think that would be an interesting model to see. It's not just one player having to pick everybody else up. It's a, it's an actual. It's quite a few players, maybe bringing the others up and bringing each other up when they need to. But then again, we we don't even have enough players for one captain. Never mind six at the moment. I think that's the issue. I think we've got plenty of like co-captain material. You know what I mean? We've got. I mean, Luca Dean is a great lead by example guy. 
He's just Sigurdsson, the same type of thing. These are guys who are not going to be, you know, take the game by the throat and be the main, the main guy uh, to to motivate through through words. You know, usually for them, it's action, it's effort. That's what you get from them. Um, but yeah, honestly, uh, I think uh, it's possible one or two guys could step up. I'll be curious if. Coleman continues to step up his performance to match that. But right now, I mean, Jags, possibly on the way out. Baines, at some point, possibly on the way out. I mean, that we're losing people in the locker room, too. However, it is important to note, we went out the past couple of years and bought a bunch of leaders. Bought a bunch of people who were leaders in locker rooms and stuff. And it did very little because, frankly, it was still just a mess of a system. So, got to get the system in place. Get the start getting some pieces in place. Maybe leaders start cropping up. People who are imp- who want the ball in big games um, instead of like no, just get it away. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's and it, it is important. It is an important thing. Um, again, it's the kind of thing that can contribute to losses. But at this point, I don't think it's something that's the reason we're losing games. I think when we get in this position, the first thing we want to point to is, there's no real captain. Well, yeah, true. Okay. But at the same time, no, that's not the only reason. There were some systematic problems that we had. You know, uh, frankly, uh, we looked pretty damn good without a, a, a true leader first half, didn't we? You know, so we have to start fixing some of the the more traditional, simple solutions and the leader parts I think people will gradually start taking the reins or we buy them and they, and they get injected, but they have to fit what we're trying to do on the field. It's just the way it is. So, all right, enough about leadership. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that pits Thomas against Terry, so used to saying Max, in a cage match of Toffee's wit and might. Not saying Max actually allows it to roll a little bit better, so it's almost like I missed the challenge of saying Max. Max, have fun in the Lake District. We miss you. All right, so uh, guys, this is a starting 11 segment. Uh, Essentially, I'll be telling you a game, a match from Everton's past, and you will have to tell me who the starting 11 were and who subbed in for, yeah, who subbed in. You don't have to tell me who they subbed in for, but anyway. All right. Um, So, pretty straightforward. So, cue intense quiz music, please. Good stuff. Here it comes. It's ramping up slowly, slowly, slowly. I'm assuming it's kicking in now. The drums always make it tough. Um, So, oh, let's let's figure out uh, who wants to go first. Let's see. I will... I'm flipping this memory card. Thomas, heads or tails? Heads. It is tails. Terry, first or second? Second. Second as per usual. Big shocker. All right. All right, Thomas. I told you this is a sad one. (laughs) Everton 3, Chelsea 6. August 30th, my mom's birthday, 2014. Who was the starting 11 and the subs that played? in that one because that was just that was just wild (laughs) uh tim howard tim howard that is a safe guess (laughs) and a correct one terry terry what do you got romelu lukaku romelu lukaku 
Never heard of him, but he played. All right. Tomas. Stephen Naismith. Stephen Naismith did start. That is accurate. Tur. Um, Gareth Barry. Gareth Barry started. Been talking a lot about him. Kind of miss that guy now. Mm-hmm. Thomas, what's up, man? Leighton Baines. Leighton Baines started. Yes. Yes, Leighton Baines. <laughs> All right, Terry. Seamus Coleman on the other side. Seamus Coleman on the other side, yeah. Thomas. Jagielka. Yes, Jagielka started. Um, <laughs> James McCarthy. James McCarthy started. That's right. A lot of the usual suspects from back then. Thomas. Kevin Morales. Kevin Morales did start. wonder what happened to that guy. Sylvan <laughs> uh, Distan. Sylvan Distan. Who I've actually spoken to on Premier League Productions. That was kind of cool. <laughs> or spoken near. He addressed my question. I digress. That was correct. All right, <laughs> Thomas. Uh, you got one more starting eleven player, buddy. And then uh, we got two subs. Um, Aiden McGeady. Aiden McGeady is the last starter. You guys, you guys are so good. You guys are so good. Two subs now, and then we'll have to go into scorers. Who scored? Um. Oh, I know they're one of the subs because he made a terrible mistake when he came on. Um, Mohamed Bezic. Oh, yes. that, was, that was my banger. Oh. <laughs> Mo Bezic. That little uh, failed move in the backfield that kind of yeah, that didn't work out too well. That was real. I was so excited when he came on just to, just because he was coming on and then that happened. I was like, oh heck. <laughs> All right. So, Thomas, the la- another player. Who came on or was just on yes, the bench? Yes, subbed in. Subbed in. Oh, well, I'm trying to think if he was even on the bench. Edo. And that was the last player who subbed <laughs> in. Guys, you have said all of the players. Now let's talk scorers because I'm not what? messing with the players on the bench right now. Let's go into the scorers. And if for some reason we need to go into bench players, well, I'm going to have to go and check out the list again because I didn't write those down. <laughs> I didn't know you would be so good. Okay. <laughs> So, Terry, who scored? Uh, Eto scored, I remember that. He did. He did score. That is correct. Thomas, we're running out of quiz music, by the way. So, Ben, <laughs> if you end up wanting to put in a like, different quiz music just to just to spice it up a little bit, you know, feel free. You know, a little Spanish flea never hurt anybody. All right? Uh, Diego Costa scored right at the start, didn't he? He did. Mm-hmm. He did. Diego Costa did score right at the start. My my child is aghast at Diego Costa because we know how he's like the worst. <laughs> he knows one thing, we're like, he's a dirty player. <laughs> yeah, he is. Alright. Terry, what do you got? Um did, did Coleman score an own goal? He did score an own goal. Yeah, that it's is a, it's correct a big answer. as well. Yes, that's huge. That's just showing off, Terry. 
remember this game because I was so excited for Bezic when he came on and he did that. <laughs> he did yeah. that sort of back heel in the preseason game, didn't he? And, and he wanted to do it again. He got a big like pop from the crowd and he wanted to do it again. And it backfired spectacularly. Yes, it did. Spectacularly. I just remember this game so well. Uh, so t- Thomas, after, after Terry has... Puffed out his chest on that one. But <laughs> Does it have to be separate goal scorers or can you have goals? Because I know Diego Costa scored twice. He did score twice, and I will count that okay. because I think that's fair. He got a, the first in the 90th minute. He scored. <laughs> Classic Everton, though. Guys, you're starting to break our quiz. Uh, Terry, what do you. <laughs> what's yeah. next? Naismith. Smith yes, did score. score. Oh, yes, he did. Stephen Naismith scored. 69th minute. Thomas? I'm not actually going off knowledge now. I'm just trying to guess, you know, who's in the team. But Lukaku didn't score, so I don't know, Kevin Morales? Yes, Kevin Morales oh, did just... score. <laughs> this, is, this is getting ridiculous. All right. Terry? You then. gotta get this. Yeah, we're into all Chelsea players now, aren't we? It's all Chelsea. Um, did Eden Hazard score? He did not. No. <laughs> Ed, Ed Hazard did not score, and that gives Thomas his first win on If You Know Your History. Thomas. <laughs> You're such a young guy. You're easily our youngest winner on the quiz, man. Congratulations. Good stuff. Uh, uh, or as well, did, did Ivanovic score? Yes, he did. Ivanovic did. See, now you're <laughs> showing off. This is getting ridiculous. Ivanovic scored in the third minute. I just oh. remember this was ridiculous watching this game. Oh. It was just yeah, I so ridiculous. I had a friend over who was a Newcastle supporter who was going nuts, and I was just like pulling my hair out like, oh, my gosh. It's terrible, <laughs> but there was a lot of goals. Um, also scoring, uh, Matic scored in the 74th minute, and Ramirez scored, uh, if you remember Ramirez. I don't even remember <laughs> either of those two goals at all. Um, but... Your goal scorers there. Yeah, that was it. That was all of them. Guys, guys this was a pretty good showing. Uh, well done to both of you. Uh, so, Thomas, your reward, your prize, your golden egg for completing the quiz is choosing the tune to close out the show. Oh, what do you thought. got? Um... Oh, come on. Everybody says that. I haven't thought of this. Uh, he picks out a, um... takes out his cards with his speech on it. Well, I'd like to thank... <laughs> <laughs> um, she's electric. She's keep, electric. Keep it Evan at the end. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Have we done that one before? I don't think so. We've done a lot of Oasis between Max and that one time I did in tribute to Max. So it's uh-huh. like, like he's here with an Oasis song. But no, I don't think She's Electric's been done. He's picked a lot of um, Oasis, but probably not that one. Okay. She's Electric by Oasis. Uh, Thomas, why? You gotta know. It's the Richarlison chant. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's, that's the only reason that I could... Because I actually... A shame, shamefully, I didn't know that song till the Charleston channel. I didn't know it either. I had never heard it, and but 
I'm like 90 years old. I'm supposed to have heard nice everything. Fact check. I need. I'm glad the fact checker's not here every time. <laughs> well done, congrats. You were right once. Once. All right, so Seize Electric by Oasis. We're going to close out to show, the show to that because because Thomas uh, Thomas did well. Thomas did well. Terry also did well. Terry, I still think you're brilliant. All right. So uh, that is the end of, of the big show. Uh, if you've been listening, uh, thanks so much for, for listening. You, you subscribe to our podcast. Rate it if you can. Leave us a review. says something like, I like it when Thomas wins. Make this happen more often. Thomas is in favor of that review. Just saying. Um, so, uh, if and if you actually didn't realize this, we have a, a YouTube channel as well, where if you want to gaze upon our glorious visages, if that is in fact the plural of visage, bring it because yeah, we're there. We can't help it. Uh, so yeah, check it, check that out if you like. If that's something you're into. Uh, if you want, uh, if you want more Thomas, uh, he's got football manager videos on our YouTube channel, but also he does content for the Tuffy Blues website. And additionally, he does social media for them as well during games and whatnot. So you can check out check out his typed words like that. You can also check out Terry's typed words on the Liverpool Echo fan jury. Um, yeah, they 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 love him, and so they let him just write stuff and they put it on their website. It's awesome. So yeah, check his Twitter out. He'll they'll they'll, he'll tell you when it's when he's gonna be there uh i mentioned the toffee blues uh website earlier please uh check that out there's a lot all kinds of content all things everton it's a brand new shiny website Quizmaster john is also webmaster john so you can uh check out all the work that he's been doing on there it's beautiful it hurts i can still see it when i shut my eyes uh so check that out it's it's good stuff subscribe to the toffee blues on twitter facebook and instagram no more plugging i'm unplugged Gentlemen, thanks so much. Thomas, sorry you have to endure New- Newcastle jeerings, my friend. <laughs> Just pop. All right. Thank you for having me. All right, as always, man. Good job. Terry, we'll have to speak later, man. Normally, normally when we go off the air, me and Terry just sit back and, and talk TV and politics and all that time. And, but now we can't because my family's here. So, Terry, again, a rain check, my friend, okay? No problem. There's always next time. Take it easy, guy. <laughs> All right, much love to you, gents. Thanks so much, and uh, let's go lick our wounds from Saturday. All right. All right, everybody. Bye.